Welcome to episode one of the Space and Things podcast, a podcast devoted to the exploration of space. In this week's show, we're going to be introducing ourselves and discussing the origins of this wonderful passion of ours. We're going to have a look back at some of the incredible things which have happened this year and discuss where exactly we are right now. And with all the regular events and anniversary celebrations canceled and postponed, we'll talk about some of the best online events that have kept us entertained this year. So sit back, relax, get a cup of tea, and enjoy the first episode of the Space and Things podcast. You're listening to the Space and Things Podcast with Emily Carney and Dave Giles. Hello, I'm Emily Carney. And I'm Dave Giles, and welcome to episode one of our podcast. Now, before we get started uh, properly, it's worth saying that we would love to hear from all of you. So please do come find us on social media and let us know what you think. We're on Twitter at Space and Things One. Instagram and Facebook at Space and Things Podcast. We'll keep you nice and up to date and share plenty of news and relevant content. We also have a Patreon account with a whole host of extra goodies. So if you want to be involved with that, please head over to patreon.com forward slash space and things. And also, if you enjoy the show, please rate, review, follow, or subscribe, or all of them. Um, anyway, moving on. Emily, how are you? I'm actually doing pretty good. Uh, I'm just chilling in Florida. Uh, just got out of work and uh, I have a day off tomorrow, so I'm looking forward to that. And I'm just enjoying life. Excellent. Might go out and have a beer tonight. Who knows? Oh, nice. Very <laughs> Protected, nice. Protected, of course. Protected. Yeah, of, of course. course, of course, of course. <laughs> did, did you um? Did you manage to, to watch the launch this morning? The day we were recording, there was a SpaceX launch, a Falcon 9 launch this morning. Unfortunately, I was at work during the launch and I couldn't see it outside. And um, it, it, we're in our stormy season right now. Here in Florida, right? So I couldn't really go outside and see it, but I did watch the playback on, you know, uh, on Facebook or whatever. So I did, I did watch it, but um, n- not live though. Um, I've I've really only seen one live launch this year, and it was a night launch, and it was actually it was nice. It was actually really cool, but I think it was in February though. Yeah, there's been so many this year; though, it's yeah. hard to keep up, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, I've watched most of them on my on my TV because of the pandemic. I haven't been able to. Uh, get really near uh the cape but um i did see the isa solar orbiter launch in uh february I, I i saw it from my house basically i went to oh wow yeah i live about 120 miles from there i was hanging out in my neighborhood and i saw it it was really cool amazing yeah that's a pretty pretty special launch that one as well wasn't it that's a that's a very cool mission they've got um got going on anyway um we should we should crack on before we start properly um, we should probably we should probably introduce ourselves for people just so they so they they know who we are uh, and what we do. So I'm going to let you start with that if that's all right. Um, so Emily, please introduce yourself. Yes, well, thank you. Um, my name is Emily Carney, and I am a spaceflight historian. Uh, I write about spaceflight. Uh, I want to give a big shout out to the National Space Society for uh, hosting me on their website. Uh, I have a blog that I've actually written for 10 years. It's called the almost 10 years in in November. It's called this space available. And, uh, it talks about a lot of different, uh, subjects in space flight history. Some of them kind of quirkier. So I've been doing that. Uh, I've written for other space flight, um, and science, uh, 
websites as well, such as uh, I've written some articles for Ars Technica. I wrote for America Space. Uh, I've also done a few articles in the Space Review, and I'm sure there's a bunch of other websites in there somewhere. If I didn't uh, <laughs> give it a shout out, I apologize. But uh, I also started a group about 10 years ago um, called Space Hipsters, and uh, we talk about basically everything great, past, present, future, you name it, in space flight. Um, and we started that in 2011, and when uh, when it began, we had four people in the group, and I thought it was just going to be four people, you know, like, hey, what would you <laughs> think about that launch? That's pretty cool, right? Um, no, the group grew very quickly. Um I did not think there were that many of us out there. And now we have, geez, over 19,250 people, I think. Something like that. That's Last time I checked was, I think, this morning. And I was like, whoa. Like, I don't even know how many people are in this group now. So uh, yeah. it's really grown the last uh, decade or so. And it's been very exciting. Uh, we have a lot of uh, really cool people in the group, uh, including a few astronauts, which has been really cool. Uh, unfortunately, because of the pandemic uh, this summer, uh, all the events, all the big space events pretty much got canceled. And, and um, we're going to talk about that a little later. But um, usually I do uh, during the year, I do some public speaking and some outreach uh, about, you know, space flight and space flight history subjects, which uh, looks like it'll be postponed to next year. But um, despite that, we've done some online events and we're going to talk about that as well later in the show. So. Yeah. That basically sums me up, I think. So, Dave, tell us a little bit about you. Well, I just wanted just to clarify that 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 the Space Hipsters group on Facebook is wonderful and and that's how I found out about you and your blog. Uh but it's a really great group because of how the expertise in that group is amazing. It always surprised me someone will post a question and there'll be someone in there who designed it or built it or will know someone who designed or built it and and the expertise it, I mean it's pretty crazy. So, I, I, you know, it's, it's a joy being a part of. And if, if you are listening to this and you're not part of it and you're interested, you should join. But yeah, 19,000 people, that's, that, that would fill a stadium. Yes. It's insane to me how um, much it's grown. It's like a, you know, a big rock concert now. It's, it's weird going to events and it's, it's cool. I'm not <laughs> complaining or anything, but it's weird going to events and having people like, hey, Emily. And I'm like, what? Like, no idea uh, yeah. hey how are you and i'm like oh my gosh you know it's just because um yeah my normal day-to-day -day life in florida nobody knows who i am it's kind of a neat <laughs> thing because we're all kind of there's a you know sort of a family feel about it like we all sort of know everybody kind of knows each other and i think that's really special yeah me too me too and uh right so uh yeah as, as uh I'll crack on with my own introduction now. Uh, I'm Dave Giles. I'm not a space historian. I don't have the same credentials as you at all. Uh, but I am a massive space enthusiast. My day job is uh, I'm a singer-songwriter. I'm a musician. Uh, I, I live in London. And uh, normally I'm touring around and, and playing gigs and, and trying to do certain things. Uh, but in my spare time, my hobby is, is uh, space travel. Not that I've done it myself. I just like watching it happen. And um, last year, uh, for the for the 50th anniversary of Apollo 11, uh, I travelled to the United States and went to visit every single crewed spacecraft flown by NASA, which was a pretty epic trip. I saw most of the uh, air and space museums in your country, um, so that was that was a lot of fun. And I certainly have read many books as well, so I feel like I'm 
fairly knowledgeable, but I'm looking forward to this podcast teaching me a whole load more about my favourite subject. That is where we are. Um, so with, with them out the way, uh, I think we should probably crack on properly. All right. Okay, we're off to a good start, Play it cool. So although I just said we'd crack on, I'm just interjecting slightly. We recorded this episode a couple of weeks ago. It's obviously episode one. Uh, so we wanted to give ourselves enough time to get everything ready for the launch date. Um, and normally we would record and release a podcast within a couple of days, but that didn't happen on this episode. And this part of the podcast, we always will try and do a This Week in Space as we talk about uh, what may have happened in the world of spaceflight. Um, but of course... We didn't know what was going to happen. And uh, unfortunately, we had the tragic news of the death of Jerry Carr, uh, former astronaut and commander of the final Skylab mission. Uh, This is someone that means a lot to Emily, uh, and she has posted her tributes online to him. And in future episodes, we will definitely be covering uh, his life in fuller detail uh, and look at at his uh, place in history. Uh, But I just wanted to interject uh, that as you listen to the rest of the podcast, please be aware that obviously that hadn't happened when we recorded this, um, but we will be addressing it later. Anyway, I hope you enjoy the rest of the podcast, uh, and now we are going to crack on. Holy cow, what have you? This year has been crazy, or bonkers, as we would perhaps call it over here. <laughs> it really has been nuts. Uh, yeah, like I said earlier, everything that was... Uh, obviously because of the pandemic and I totally I'm not complaining I, I'm completely for this um, to happen but everything that was supposed to happen this year uh, I had a bunch of stuff scheduled you know space events everything got canceled either canceled or postponed so yeah <laughs> is what it is yeah. every every tour I was supposed to be on as uh as Got no foreseeable start date, which is uh, which is interesting. Um, but we we've been kind of lucky in the in the whole space world because despite all our events and and uh, and our day to day goings being cancelled, um, somehow space travel seems to have carried on, and we've had some of the biggest events of of the last twenty years happen all this year, in my opinion, and it's been quite an exciting time. And certainly when the world is not much fun it's given us a bit of a glimmer of hope but it certainly has with me um so you know from from crew dragon the demo one to the perseverance mars rover uh, to the isa solar orbiter there's been plenty of things but emily as a space historian what's been the thing that's excited you most about what's happened this year oh gosh well it's hard to say because um every kind of little event this year has been for me kind of a bomb just because this year has been just so difficult you know just for every i mean yeah. for everybody and there's just you mm-hmm. know been a i don't want to be negative but there's been a certainly a lot of sadness and stuff like that but um for me the most exciting uh space flight event was um it's kind of redundant people are gonna roll their eyes and be like oh man that's pretty obvious but the crew drag the true the crew dragon flight uh, a few months ago uh, they just splashed down about uh, uh probably a couple weeks ago uh, to me, that was the big high point of the year that that made my whole year, I can say, just because we'll probably talk a little bit more about this as the podcast goes on. But I was born in 1978. Uh, I remember seeing my first launches, uh, you know, around 1981 when the space shuttle started and we had the space shuttle for 30 years, which was a pretty, pretty long time. And um, when it ended, all of a sudden, you know, there was nothing, you know, yeah. from Florida, at least for ages. 
you know, and it was like, man, you know, when are we getting back and stuff? And it kept getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. And, and um, it was just really exciting for me to see a, a launch happen from fl- Florida again. And, um, and also, for me, it was so cool to see a new space vehicle. I loved the space shuttle. I thought it was an amazing machine. But um, it was designed in the 70s, you know, and it, it kind of yeah. looked like it was designed in the 70s. And it was a wonderful vehicle, but I think it was time for it to be. <laughs> it was time for it to, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. for a successor to happen. And um, seeing the inside views of... Um, the crew dragon while they were in flight and just them giving us a tour with the touch screens. I'm like, that is so freaking cool. Like I, I was just like, Oh my gosh, I'm smiling. Just thinking about it. It was really exciting because I'm getting older. I'm in my forties now I'm 42, you know, that's not super old, but it's, you know, I'm getting up there <laughs> and you know, to realize, wow, that's the first new crew vehicle since 1981. I mean, it, yeah, yeah, that yeah. to me was like, wow, you know that. So I was super excited to see that. Not, not meaning to correct you, but uh, there was one other crew vehicle, which was the Chinese one, which we don't see much of. Yeah. In in my lifetime, this was the second time a new spacecraft that took humans into space, and the other one, I still don't know much about it. I know it happens. Yeah. But I don't know much about it. Um. So so it felt for me like this is the first time I've seen a new vehicle launch. Uh, and because of the access we had as well on those on the, the streaming that they were doing, it was wonderful. You know, from the moment you know, from inside the the suit up room, right through to the launch pad, seeing them get in, uh, being in there with them. I mean, we see that for me as as a big Apollo fan, we see that in the documentaries from fifty years ago. And in this country, we didn't get that coverage of the space shuttle. Maybe that stuff was being shown over in the US. But we didn't get that over here. So for me, it was like, we're watching it. And even though they still are test pilots, they're a little bit more media savvy than than the old boys used to be. Those Apollo astronauts were so matter of fact, you'd get a wave. But, you know, on the whole, they, they were they were very mission focused. But you saw some real human elements with with Bob and Doug as well. Um, I mean, even the fact they they took Tremor up, the little dinosaur, from because it was their kid's idea to take that as a... Um, as zero gravity indicator, I, those all those little touches just made it really special. This is this is our life, right? We both love space travel. We both love all this, but seeing get excited about it was also really great. It was for for me. It was like our uh, people were, were opening their eyes and going, "Oh, we fly to space. What what's this all about?" And they just got it right, and and it really did. I was I had a tear in my eye, many tears in my eye, as that thing went up. I was it was a, it was a great moment for sure. Yeah, and one I won't forget. Same here. Um, the, you were saying, you know, earlier um, in the in the states, we did. If you had access to NASA Select, it was a it was a channel. Um, you could see them do the suit up stuff during the shuttle launches. But if you network TV, honestly, ugh, they did cover some of the launches, but not. It was kind of sporadic because this sounds horrible. I think people begin to see them as routine. You know, like. Oh, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. It's just the space shuttle going up again. But for me, it was exciting to see, you know, the clarity of the launch footage because I'm used to, mm. you know, the old school like Apollo and, you know, the first shuttle missions and stuff. I've watched those millions of times. It was kind of grainy footage, you know, of its time, you know, the kind of uh, I don't know what millimeter 
film it was, but um, off the top of my head, but it, you know, it looks kind of grainy, and to see it, you know, the dragon, you know, uh, with the Falcon Nine, you know, just leap off the pad, and it's this beautiful, you know, high resolution footage. It's like I've watched that. A, I've watched that on a loop probably the last few months because it's so beautiful looking. You know, it's it's just it really wow. is wow, <laughs> breathtaking. Uh, well, over here we we didn't even get we barely lucky if anything got covered on the news but i for, for me as a kid I, the day after a launch or a landing if i was really lucky the newspaper would have a photograph and i would cut them out that was literally what what i had to deal with as a child over here and and and, and just any anything i could absorb was was great um but but yeah that footage is amazing and 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 spacex you know, I know some people have issues with them, but but they really do get that stuff right. I mean, even the the, the Perseverance rover launch. Bear in mind, it was the next big event that happened. The footage, I, I enjoyed it because it was still more than I used to get, but it was nowhere near as good as what you get from SpaceX. The graphics weren't as good. The the speedometer broke at one point. Uh, <laughs> it you know, it was it was a bit grainy and pixelated, and it. It was one of those, okay, you, you've got a few lessons to start. I'm still enjoying this. This is great. It's more than I used to get. But SpaceX really do, they really thought about it as a PR event as well. They, we we need people to get excited about this, yeah. um, which I think is why they did the, the space age suits and all that kind of stuff. I think that there's an element of we need to get people talking about this. That's why they put a car on the first Falcon Heavy. You know, they, they know that they know what they're doing in terms of PR. But it was it was also exciting that that whole mission was ex- just exciting. I think you said to me it was the first uh, two person launch since Space Shuttle Four, yes, the fourth Space Shuttle since uh, STS Four, which was in nineteen eighty two, I believe. I want to say mid nineteen eighty two. Yeah, yeah. Which which is ridiculous to think, isn't it? That that's the first time that, that you know. That that's happened in that long, and the first splashdown since 1974. Yeah. Other than the one in the lake, the first ocean splashdown since 1974. Yeah. Other uh, than the one that was on accident, I think that the Soviets yeah. had, you know, that wasn't supposed yeah. to happen. But seeing those parachutes open up was just wonderful. Like it, that was a real, real highlight. Again, the, the launch was great, but that those parachutes were beautiful, and and I, I think it's something you take for granted because they did it so well back in the in the 60s and 70s but parachutes are hard to get right on spaceships yes uh you are correct uh, even in the in the 19 uh, early 70s i wouldn't say they had problems with parachutes but uh apollo 15 came down minus 1 so that's yep. always uh for me kind of a if they had been missing another they would have definitely had problems so um yeah so yeah that that's kind of a thoughtful moment for me so yeah when they de- the parachutes came out I was like I had like tears coming down I was like okay now I can kind of <sighs> I can breathe again and everything will be all right yeah. yeah that was definitely for me the highlight of the year and and we've had a not trying to change the subject from dragon but we've had this year I think in space has been pretty positive despite everything happening on earth so it, it, for sure yeah it, to me it's it's very you know, even, you know, planetary, we have a planetary mission and we have, you know, solar missions that are up and it, it's just, uh, despite everything, it's been kind of, you know, exciting. And when, when there's so much to be negative about looking around, to look up and be inspired is a nice thing. I mean, even even the fact that the comet went past recently and that, that was, in, you know, there just seems to be something going on up there at the moment, which which is, it is good fun. And 
there's just a lot of cool stuff that we're in a good place right now for this. It feels like over the next few years, we're going to have more and more exciting events, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to do a podcast. I'm not going to lie, because it just feels like we're going to have things to talk about beyond just looking at the same missions we've looked at time and time again, which I'm not going to get bored of, but uh, it's fun that we've got new stuff as well. Yeah, I think we're definitely going to see a renaissance in uh, space flight, you know, and I mean, I think we're we're starting to see it now. I'm very positive about the future, so it should be it should be pretty exciting. There should be plenty to talk about. Um, yeah, I, I will probably get into it more, obviously, as we go further into the podcast. But in February, um, Perseverance will land, and it also has um, the mission. Also has a a, hel- a little helicopter. Helicopter. Yeah, Ingenuity. Yeah. That's gonna be freaking. That's amazing. Awesome. Like I'm like I'm so they excited put a helicopter about that. up there and then when you read why they're doing that it's like they're trying to kind of invent, you know, I guess propulsion concepts for future possible Mars missions and I'm like that is really a neat idea. You know, whoever thought of that is really like they're very futuristic because to me yeah. if we go anywhere, if we settle hypothetically, if we settle the moon or you know, I mean, even if we just settled, you know, Earth orbit or something, I mean, we're going to have to think about, okay, how are we going to get from here to there? You can't just, you know, you might not be able to drive a car. You know? Exactly. So it's just something that I think I'm like, that's really marvelously futuristic. I love the idea of testing something like that out. And even if it doesn't work, I mean, at least we tried, we can do it again, maybe. Who knows? I'm pretty sure. I may have this wrong, but they're trying to bring back a big piece of Mars rock as well, aren't they? Yeah. That's the plan. I know it's more complex and that's going to take a few more years. Yeah. I believe, and I, I could, if I'm getting any of this wrong, uh, somebody on social media, please yell at me. Uh, I won't be offended. <laughs> um, I can take criticism. I believe uh, the European Space Agency is doing a, a mission in the future. Um, I forgot what it's called off the top of my head. I've written a, a little bit about it. Basically, Perseverance is going to take a bunch of samples. It's going to store them in uh, the, the crater that it's landing in and um, or in that adjacent area. And this other mission is going to go and retrieve those samples, which is really cool. So that's not going to happen right now, but it'll it'll happen in um, I forgot what year it's going to happen, but in the next few years. Yeah, I think it was 20, 2025 or 26. Yeah. I think it was around then. My brain wants to say 25. We've seen so many photos from Mars now. It feels like we should already have a bit of Mars rock here, but to 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 bring back part from another planet. I know we've brought the moon back, but that's in grand scheme of things quite close. Yes. Um <laughs> yeah. And even then, we haven't done it that often. Yeah. So to to bring to bring back uh something from from that far away in a whole other orbit it's just blowing my mind that, that we're even attempting that and makes me feel like in our lifetime we may see someone walk on that planet which would just be nuts yeah absolutely <laughs> i'm one of those people who grew up you know in the 80s and i've seen pictures of like you know don davis paintings and stuff of you know the the space settlements and the the o'neill cylinders and stuff like that and um i think a lot of people know this i'm a big uh, o'neill fan i've studied a lot of his of his life and his work in the last year or so and um i still love the idea of you know maybe one day humans will be able to settle space you know maybe if it's not on you know another planet or another world maybe it'll be in another orbit maybe we could have you know kind of a 
like a, a cylinder or something out there that could have people in it. And I don't know. I still love those ideas. I, I don't know if, like I said, I don't know if I'll see them in my lifetime. It would be wonderful. Um, but I, I still love the idea of people learning to live and work in space, you know, and to that and for that to kind of become, you know, not commonplace, I guess, but sort of become, OK, we can kind of spread our wings and actually live and work out here. And, and this could be our habitat. You know, I love that idea. I think we've we've kind of covered where we are. Yes. And, uh, and what's what's been going on for now. Uh, and as uh, of course we will we will come back to this again and again i'm sure over the over the coming weeks and months uh, as new things happen and new developments happen spacex dragon we're go for launch let's light this candle obviously everything is shut down uh this year rightfully so as we discussed and uh it's made me really appreciate what i did last year even more my my trip to celebrate the 50th anniversary of apollo 11 and and visiting all the air and space museums, I mean, it was the best time of my life anyway. Um, but now it really, really means so much more. And um, I had a serious bit case of fear of missing out. FOMO go on with uh, with all the events that were being planned for the Apollo 13th 50th. Uh, that specifically, there was an event at the Cosmosphere where the, the Apollo 13 command module is in Hutchinson in Kansas that I really wanted to go to. And um, the, the, the good thing about this lockdown and pandemic is that opportunities have arisen to bring more people into the fold that probably wouldn't have been done because a lot of these events have gone online and that wouldn't have happened otherwise. I, I don't think so anyway. Exactly. Yeah. I think the, um, so I want to say the San Diego air and space museum had an online, that was the one. Yep. Had an online Apollo 13 panel. And that was, um, that was really incredible. Like I, you, you yeah. watched it, right? Yeah, it was it was Fred Hayes, Jim Lovell, and the four four flight directors. Yeah, uh, which, which was amazing, absolutely amazing. Um, it it did amuse me seeing Jim Lovell trying to figure out Zoom. He'd done it <laughs> earlier in the week on on the Smithsonian uh, Channel as well. He'd done a meeting with on there as well with uh, with Teasel Muir Harmony. I don't know if he was holding an iPad or something, but you can just <laughs> imagine a ninety year old guy just trying to figure it out it was it, it amused me but he was so charming and so was freddo and uh, look at me calling him freddo as if he's my mate um <laughs> he wouldn't mind he's a nice guy yeah <laughs> he's a sweet person it was great seeing those those six people together uh, talking about what was going on and, and despite the fact that we weren't able to, to to be together to do it and and i was very grateful for that and i sat i sat here i sat up that night having the best time and the biggest smile on my face hearing their stories it was kind of the same thing with me because I was like, you know, I, I was hoping to go to a few, you know, Apollo 13 related things this year. A lot of the stuff did get postponed till whenever we can all meet again next time. But uh, seeing those guys together, it's like they never really miss a beat. You know, they 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 still, you know, they vibe very well. You know, you can tell there's like this camaraderie there. It's really awesome. As you said, the um, Internet really has. Uh, rescued this year from COVID purgatory. <laughs> I don't know what to yeah. call it. Um, That's a really great expression. COVID purgatory. Uh, it really has yeah. uh, rescued it. Um, there have been a lot of really neat kind of events, uh, especially over this summer, that, you know, they couldn't happen in person, but they sort of, you know, they, they happened in spirit, I guess, online, which was, to me, really, really special 
gives you a sense that, okay, we're all still connected. There's still a sense of community, even though we can't all go and physically meet each other at some place. Because um, usually in the summer, this is my big travel time of the year. Usually I go to uh, Space Fest. I was supposed to go um, to the, uh, the National Space Society has an event uh, once a year called the uh, ISDC the International Space Development Conference. I was going to go to Yuri's night. I was uh, That obviously didn't happen. Despite all that, we did have some events that, you know, sort of covered that. The NSS has a lot of um, great kind of seminars um, about different topics that probably would have been covered during the ISDC. Um, another thing is uh, some of the kind of planned things um, from Space Fest went online. Uh, for example... Uh, Nova Space, that's the company that does Space Fest. Um, they did do a panel. There's this uh, great book series called the Outward Odyssey book series. Mm -hmm. And it was, uh, I believe it was started by Colin Burgess, who is a, a pretty famous uh, Australian space historian. He's really cool. And uh, many space enthusiasts will be familiar with them. They're the, the books with the kind of black uh, binding. Um, they all kind of have a, a similar look to them uh, there's been a lot of yeah i've got i've got a few yeah I've got, i think i've got a few of them the, the don isley books definitely definitely yeah. one, isn't it the 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 apollo pilot yeah book that is one of them um, uh there's a lot of great titles and i'm missing a bunch of them because if i list all of them we'll, we'll be here for a while of course but uh <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, there's yeah. an excellent book about uh skylab which to me if you want to find anything out about skylab it's required reading uh, it's called homesteading space uh, by David Hitt, uh, Joe Kerwin, and Owen Garriott. Uh, excellent, wow. excellent book. But um, they <clears throat> had a panel of uh, a bunch of their authors uh, a few weeks ago, I think, and uh, it was really awesome. Uh, it was neat to see them kind of talk and riff about, you know, the different things they'd written about and their their process and why the series was started. Uh, and also Joe Kerwin, one of the co-authors, actually showed up, which was really Nice. special you know to have it's neat yeah, to see yeah. a, a an astronaut you know show up during these things just like a real you know like a regular person you know and yeah 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 you know i mean he is a regular person but still it's like whoa that's joe Kerwin. what you know yeah, yeah. but um there have been a few neat events this summer online um uh, space hipsters uh giving us little shout out to space hipsters uh we've had events uh every couple of weeks um, except for July 4th, and we've had a lot of special guests on. Uh, it's like these Saturday evening kind of meetings. Yeah, these look great. The timing is slightly off for, for me yeah. in the UK. They look phenomenal. You've had some great guests. We do have, if you missed them live, um, if you couldn't see them online when they actually happened, we do have them in the group, so they're, they should be searchable. But we've had a lot of really amazing guests on. Like, uh, This sounds horrible. I don't even remember... All the guests we've had, uh, we've had Fred Hayes, we've had Nicole Stott on, we've had uh, Mike Mullane and his son Patrick. Uh, Patrick just wrote a memoir uh, that's really funny and really good. Is that about being a son of a, a space shuttle astronaut? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Shuttle, I believe is what it's called. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I need, I need to get that. Yeah, I need to get it's, that. Uh, it, I've read some of it. I'm, I'm really behind with my book reading right now, but it's actually pretty, the parts I've read are hysterical. His, uh, their family is awesome. So I highly suggest getting this and reading it. Uh, we had a really special uh, one this last, this past Saturday um, with a bunch of uh, space artists uh, who work with the uh, IAAA. 
And um, that was really emotionally hard hitting for me because they talked a lot about um, Alan Bean, who is was one of the artists in the IAAA and was a real big, you know, real big supporter and booster to space artist. And obviously he was a pretty famous space artist himself. And uh, yeah, I was mm-hmm. actually crying during that one and trying to hide it. That was kind of difficult because it was just you just uh, I'm. I didn't know him well. I, I talked to him a few times, and this was genuinely one of the most friendly, warm people ever. I mean, and I'm not just saying that because he was an astronaut. He genuinely was like that. Like, if you ha- were interested in something and he knew you were passionately interested in it, he would really, like, support you. You know, he was yeah. a really good guy. So that was very emotional. I've heard that a lot about Alan and... um. I was fortunate enough last year to go to the Wheeler Historical Museum, uh, which is the town in a, t- a tiny museum in the middle of nowhere in Texas, where it's the town where he was born. He never lived there. Like, they moved out almost instantly. But the main street is called Allen Bean Boulevard and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And they've got a statue outside this tiny little town hall kind of vibe, school library-esque museum. And they took a punt and sent Alan a message saying, hey, we're going to start this museum and and, R- and Rhonda, who runs museum, ended up becoming really good friends of Alan because Alan is that giving of his time. And once once he knows that you're doing something for the right, or once he knew you were doing something for the right reasons, he would he would really get behind it. And and um and and I got to sit there with Rhonda for a whole night and her telling me stories about Alan, and it was just one of my favorite nights I've ever had. And and he just sounded like the nicest person, as you said. Um, so yeah, so I, yeah. Even I, I never met him, and uh, and I've only really began to really appreciate him since he died. I, I can understand why why you would get emotional uh, hearing stories about him because he is he's just that guy, isn't he? You know, he really uh, was. I have a, I like I said, I I didn't know him as well as uh, a lot of other writers. Like I know Andrew Chaikin, Andy Chaikin was uh, really good friends with him. But uh, I, I talked to him a little bit, and I, I'll never forget this. Uh, this I'm kind of digressing, but this is a story from uh, 2016 Space Fest. That year, I was doing the um, the Skylab panel there, you know, and it it was the first time I'd done a Skylab panel, you know, and it was and it was going really well. I mean, I it was I wasn't I was a little nervous, but um, I was trying to keep my cool because I'm like, okay, just chill. Just, it'll be all right. You know, these are, these are just regular dudes, just like anyone else, you know, and I'll never forget it. Him and Jack Lausma were on the panel and they just start, you know, going back and forth about, you know, Skylab, uh, Skylab three. They started joking about having to switch underwear at the end of the mission. Cause they were <laughs> running out of clothes and stuff. They were just joking and having the best time with each other. And they were talking about um, they had a frozen, like a bad thruster on the command module. And they were talking about that. And um, it was hysterical because they were basically just like joking the whole time. And you realize, man, these guys were, you know, that's kind of a not a great situation. And they're just like, yeah, we had a, you know, a bad thruster. And Jack sees this piece of ice floating by. And he's like, guys, I think our thruster just flew by <laughs> and he's like all calm about it like hey guys i think this just happened and i'm like oh my god like i'm up there and i'm like please don't start cracking up you know so anyway i'll never forget it because at one point when they were talking i just look over and i'm like oh my god that's alan bean like he met surveyor on the moon and 
I have that picture, you know, and imprinted oh my in God. my mind, you know, and I'm like, just chill, just chill, just chill, just chill. Don't don't make a scene. Don't like faint or anything like that. So uh, I got over that moment real quickly. But uh, at the end of the panel, um, him and Jack came up and talked to me because they were like, oh, you did a great job and stuff. And I'm like, I'm like, is this real? Like, is this a real <laughs> thing? Because I'm like, this is surreal to me, you know, just because I'm like, I, I'd read about these guys since I was a kid, you know, and to me, they were they were like characters in a book almost because I never imagined I would meet any of them in my life. Yeah. The fact that I have is like just mind blowing to me to this day. And uh, yeah, and Alan Bean was like, you know, thank you so much. You know, Skylab is really underrated and they nobody talks about it that much. And, you know, thanks for bringing awareness about this program. And I'm like, oh, my God. Um, yeah, so he's a genuinely, I know I digressed hugely here. We were talking about online stuff, but he was a genuinely wonderful person. Like if you were into something or passionate about something, he would take the time and actually talk to you about it. And he was very supportive. And, um, from what I understand with other artists, um, visual, you know, artists and painters, he was very giving of his time. He's one of the, I mean, Mm. I miss a lot of those guys. Unfortunately, we've had a lot of we've had a lot of them pass away in the last few years. Um, he was genuinely an amazing person. Everything you've heard about him is true. He was a good guy. I, I'm sure we're, we're going to talk about him a whole lot more, but but right now I'm going to say if anyone wants to find out more about him, I would thoroughly recommend you you hunt down Rick Houston's Go Flight podcast and there's an interview with, with Alan Bean in that, which is amazing. I think it covered two episodes uh, and I thoroughly enjoyed it so yeah if, if you want to know if you don't know much about alan and you want to know more it's wonderful so definitely go and check that out but going back to what you were talking about i think i remember what you're talking about what does the i triple a mean or is it triple i a i triple um i think it's the international association of uh astronomical artists i think that's what it stands okay for. that's that's what i thought i was just yeah, yeah, yeah. i should have clarified okay. that earlier i apologize but uh Basically, uh, I don't know much about the history of the group. I don't know when it started. I, I want to say it started in the early 80s. And um, uh, I want to say uh, Kim Poor, who also started Space Fest, was a huge part of it. Uh, he was He's one of the biggest space artists of all time. Uh, sadly, he passed away in 2017. But um, mm-hmm. this guy was a huge deal. Uh, like I said, one of the defining space artists. But that association has a lot of the best space artist in the world, all of them in one group, not trying to give a shout out to my own group again, but um, space hipsters is planning. We're planning to do um, kind of a showcase about uh, of uh, these artists uh, via, via zoom. Nice. Uh, maybe like once a quarter or nice. something like that, you know, space art in that group goes down well every time. Yes. <laughs> people, people love it. <clears throat> uh, rightly so. Rightly so. Um, so, so what what would you say has been your favorite event of this year? Oh gosh, my favorite online event was interviewing uh, Fred Hayes uh, oh, on wow. Space Hipsters. Uh, I, I had help; I was not doing it all by myself. My uh, co moderator uh, Lois Honeycutt uh, she did a lot of the legwork as well. But um, we tried to cover parts about his life and career. That really hadn't we felt that hadn't been adequately covered because everybody knows about Apollo 13, right? You know, of course. I mean, not to down what 
he accomplished during Apollo 13 at all, but it's um, I, I think it could, it gets covered a lot. So we tried to cover what happened before he joined NASA, what he you know did during his early years at NASA before Apollo 13, and we also tried to cover what he did during the shuttle program. He was a huge part of the shuttle program, and people don't even a lot of people don't even know that. So um, yeah. he flew, um, I believe, three of the five uh, approach and landing tests with Enterprise, and that was a huge deal. Uh, that program basically had to be successful for the shuttle program to even go on. Um, uh, I'm not trying to down John Young here. Uh, I love John Young, uh, and I respect his career immensely. But um, I really consider Fredo, he is the first shuttle commander. I mean, he just, that's yeah. how I view it. Because, I mean, if he hadn't done a specta- as of a spectacular job as he did during those flights... I don't think the shuttle would have happened, you know? Did, did uh, uh, This question may have been answered many times by many different people uh, and by himself, but within that, did, did you find out, and you may have known this before, did you find out why he never went on to fly an actual shuttle mission? Yeah, that's, a, that's actually a really good question. I think what happened, in, um, what happened was after the approach and landing tests, um, the, it was, there was a plan to rescue the Skylab space station, which had been uh, deorbiting because uh, yeah. basically what happened was the sun was approaching solar maximum and it was becoming activated uh, more quickly than people predicted. So um, basically what happened was the Earth's atmosphere started to expand and Skylab started coming back down more quickly than um, anticipated. I want to say it was anticipated originally to come down in 1983 and then it got moved to 1980 and then wow they realized okay wait it's coming down way sooner than anticipated so uh nasa had a plan kind of an audacious plan to uh put a uh i want to say it was a type of ius uh called a uh teleoperator retrieval system uh there's some drawings and schematics of it if you really want to look it up on the um NASA uh, technical report server. If you're up at 4 a.m. <laughs> and are bored, like I, I'm raising my hand. You can't see it, but I'm raising my hand here. If you're like me and you're a loser and have nothing to do with 4 a.m., you've been there a lot. Correct. I am a frequent. Pay- I frequently sit at the bar at the NASA uh, technical <laughs> report server. Yes, I frequently sit at the bar there. I'm like a bar fly there. But I digress. Basically what happened was there was a plan uh, to basically have um, the shuttle maneuver, you know, close to Skylab and um, remotely attach using, I want to say, a radio, like a controller or something. I don't know if it was the, I forgot if it was the RMS or if they were remotely controlling it somehow. Um Skylab so they could reboost it basically the actual mission was it was supposed to be flown by Hayes commanding and Lausma piloting wow yeah they actually even had a crew for it but what happened was um, obviously the shuttle was not ready for flight by 1978 not even close also um, Mm -hmm. Skylab was really it was coming down pretty quickly and there was way too far yeah i don't i i believe by the end of 1978 they pretty much figured out there was no way they were anybody was gonna be able to uh save it uh so yeah 
basically that mission went away and I want to say Fredo was offered a better, probably, I don't know if it was better paying, but he was offered another position at Northrop Grumman and he resigned. So I think, I think he was probably like a lot of the Apollo guys from that era, just ready for something different. People don't realize as well. I mean, I know you you talked about um, what he did afterwards, but people don't realize how big of a part he played in, in the Apollo eight and Apollo 11 missions. Uh, in the backup crew roles. So it's not like he didn't do a load of cool stuff at NASA. It's not like he had that one flight that went wrong and and then was at NASA for 15 years doing that. You know, he he did a lot of stuff. Yeah, exactly. And I, I mean, and like I said, you know, a lot of those guys kind of did the same thing around the same time because yeah, there's yeah. a lot of, I wouldn't say conspiracies. That's kind of a harsh word, but I'm so sorry to bring this up. The whole, you know, Skylab mutiny thing. Those guys never flew again. <laughs> they never flew again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were banned from NASA forever. And I'm like, that's <laughs> not what... I'm so sorry to bring this up. That's really not... That's not what happened at all. They they all kind of were ready to do... They'd been around for a Other while. Things. They'd already flown in space. They were kind of like, you know, maybe I'm ready to dedicate more life to my family it's it's hard for people on the outside to think that you'd want to do anything else in your life other than be an astronaut if you've been an astronaut but at the end of the day it still is a day job and it still has the highs and lows of a day job and you're not always in space so (laughs) that the the other stuff that we the non-glamorous side of it you don't get to see as much but they lived that day in day out and it can't have been that glamorous but i I think I think we'll we'll wrap up there uh, for that part because <laughs> that was a lovely digression. But I'm very <laughs> jealous that you got you got to uh, interview interview Fredo because uh, he's he's a real real hero. Yeah, he's um, awesome, and he's a really wonderfully friendly guy as well. Like, there's always this fear when you meet you know your heroes that you know oh my god what if you know what are they going to act like? But he is genuinely one of the best people. So um, it was just a. It was like the fulfillment of a life's dream, basically. It was awesome. Stand by one. Yeah, I got him with the uh, cabin reprint valve in there, Jack. Every time he does that, our hearts jump in our mouths. So, thank you very much for listening to our first podcast. Yes, thank you. We've done it. We got it. We got through it. We did it. All right. Um, this is the start of something that we hope you'll enjoy and that you'll want to be a part of. So please do hit the follow or subscribe button and come find us on social media. And we really would love to hear from you and love your feedback. Yes, we'd love for this to be an interactive show. So please don't be shy. Uh, please send us uh, cards, emails, letters, what have you. <laughs> yeah. And as Emily said, ni- neither of us are, are, are scared of criticism. So if we get things wrong, please do correct us and we will make sure we make amendments on the next show. And uh, tune in next week for all the corrections and <laughs> uh, for, more spa- <laughs> for more space and things. And remember, in space, no one can hear you stream. Space and Things has been brought to you by and things productions.